Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. Glad you could join us today. I want you to meet one of the many inspiring educators we have here in Minnesota who inspires his students and his fellow educators. He's been doing that for nearly 20 years. Today, I am talking with Michael Houston, a math teacher at Harding High School in St. Paul. Michael is the 2023 Minnesota Teacher of the Year. He's the 59th educator to earn the award and just the second African-American male to receive it. Michael is also a former football coach, and he chairs the math department at Harding High. Michael, congratulations on becoming Teacher of the Year, and welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Angela, for having me. Now, you found out uh, about this honor. You found out you won in May. Has the recognition, um, has it changed you, how how you see yourself? I mean, like, do you walk with a little more swagger, Michael? Do you you dress a little (laughs) differently? I'm I'm Teacher of the Year. Uh, I don't know about that, but it's, um, it's been truly humbling. Uh, a humbling experience because it's something that I didn't expect, uh, but it's made me more of a reflective teacher and just looking back at, you know, my time in the classroom and, and, and all the impact that I've had in many students' lives. Mm-hmm. You like being around young people. I do. I do. I do, too. I, I, I always joke and say, I'm like, I'm just trying to get my youth back. But <laughs> you, you can feed off of their energy, right? Oh, yeah. As a teacher, I mean, just dealing with, you know, 14 to you know 18 year olds and it definitely keeps you young keeps you on your toes mm-hmm. and such a pivotal point in life high school students I still get a little nervous you know I'm often inv- invited to speak to students at schools uh, high school students make me nervous oh really yeah yeah because I feel like they can be very um, either not interested or very judgmental I feel like they're more authentic uh, at that age where I can kind of be just more real with them. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine myself teaching in an elementary classroom because I just can't deal with, <laughs> you know, the little kids and, you know, cooties and all that in middle school, you know, they're trying to, you know, going through a lot of physical changes and stuff. And I just, high school was perfect. Right. Cause they, they want to be heard often, right? They speak their minds. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. To our listeners, I I want you to know that as I talk with Minnesota's Teacher of the Year and get to know him better, I want to hear from you, too. If you have had Mr. Houston, Michael Houston, as a teacher over the years, what do you remember about him? Or is it someone else? Did you or your child have a teacher who made a real difference in your life? What did they do to have a positive impact? And if you're a teacher in Minnesota, what are you doing to connect with your students? The phone lines are open. You can call us at 651 227-6000 or call us at 800-242-2828. Michael, take us back to the day when you were named Minnesota Teacher of the Year. I remember it was a Sunday. It's always on a Sunday, uh, the ceremony. Uh, It's the second time that you'd been a finalist. You did that back in 2017, but then another teacher actually won. So I'm guessing going into that ceremony, uh, the award ceremony, there was some apprehension uh, about getting too excited. Uh, what went through your mind when they called your name? I remember that day vividly. I remember it. I was tired because that entire Minnesota Teacher of the Year weekend, it's just a whirlwind. You're meeting mm-hmm. the other finalists. You're going through media training. You're going through interviews. Uh, so I remember that morning just being exhausted and just really <laughs> wanting to get the day over with because, <laughs> I mean, I just gave up an entire weekend. But I met uh, many great people. But, no, when my name was called um, – I think there's a video of me pinching my cheek because I just couldn't believe that I was named. In the photos, you look very emotional. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that was necessary for our our staff and our students and our community. And you told me when you came in this morning, um, as a high school student, you almost didn't graduate high school. 
I did not. Um, I loved school for the social aspect and sports. Um, I wanted to be a professional football player, so I was always eligible when it came to uh, play playing football. Um, but no, I graduated with a 1.67 GPA, um, and it took me one of my final chances to pass a basic standards writing test um, in order to be able to successfully graduate. So, no, it, it was it was it was a, a really uh, nerve wracking moment because I had to make a, a couple classes in summer school. I had to pass a basic standards writing test and I had to make sure that I was all good. Um, so how does that student go on to graduate from college to get a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and then make the decision also, I'm going to be a teacher? Yeah, I, I I was always pretty good at math. I struggled with reading and writing. I didn't, didn't do that a lot as a kid. Um mm-hmm. But I had a couple of friends I played football with who able who were able to get a full ride scholarship to college to play football. And I was so envious. I thought I was just as good as they were. I actually wasn't. Uh, but we were just so competitive against each other. And so when they um, got their full rides and when they left college, left for college, I remember like just feeling stuck, feeling at a crossroads. Like, OK, what am I going to do now? I don't want to just work for uh, at the time I was working at a pizza place. And I just didn't see myself working at this pizza place for the next 40 years of my life. And um, I wanted to do something to make my family proud, my grandparents proud. And so I asked my mom if she would take me to the local community college, Columbus State Community College, to enroll me in some classes. This is in Ohio. This is in Columbus, Mm -hmm. Ohio. Yes. Um, And so I started the fall of 98. And I started taking some general ed classes and I was able to successfully, you know, do those courses. I mean, it was math class, reading class, writing class, just a lot of fundamentals that I missed um, in school. Um, and I was able to quickly figure out, like, I can actually do this. I can mm-hmm. I can be a, a, a college student. I can make it here. And um, so from there, I just used that to move on, uh, move here uh, as a uh, walk on athlete at the University of Minnesota. Um, and, and that and then eventually, on. yeah, you transferred to Concordia and graduated from there. You used a word that I actually hear a lot now uh, among a, a lot of people I know who have young adult uh, children or high school students stuck. A lot of young people feel stuck. What does that mean? And do you see it today? I do. It was it was so scary looking back because I, I just literally did not know what to do next. I could have gone in any direction, to be honest with you. I could have, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just stayed working at the at piece of place I was working at and just, you know, continue to live my life older. that way. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or I could have uh, gotten into trouble and, and, mm-hmm. and turned that way. But uh, no, it was really just my friends and my family just wanting to make a difference and wanting to make them proud. And so, yeah, I see that in my students as well. Um, I have many students that just don't see themselves either, you know, I just don't see a lot of my students being able to see themselves as in careers, in, in careers or, or trades or anything like that. Because they don't see other people, other adults doing that or because their self-esteem is low. I think it's a combination of both. Um, growing up in Ohio, I remember just on, whenever, whenever I watch the sporting events, I will always see, you know, people that look like mm-hmm. me, Michael Jordan or Bo Jackson and, um, or I would see, you know, performers, entertainers like Michael Jackson or, you know, Tupac or something like that. And, <laughs> and I was and my goal was to be a professional football player. I, I definitely couldn't see myself as a performer. Um, 
as as far as an entertainer being a rapper or, or, or a singer that way. Um, but there wasn't a lot of uh, people that looked like me that I saw as CEOs or as teachers or as officers or as, you know, working for a fire department. Right. So, no, I, I just had this delusion that, you know, people that looked like me were either athletes or performers and not nothing and no else. other nothing else. So in the introduction, I said that you're known for building community uh, in the classroom uh, with your students, uh, with students throughout the school and as well as among your fellow teachers. What does that mean to you to say you're known as, as building community, that you bring people together? And, and like, what does that mean? Well, uh, I had two black teachers uh, throughout um, my educational experience. And one of them did a good job in making me feel like I belonged in the classroom. And I didn't realize that until I decided I want to become a teacher. And that was by accident. We could talk about that later. What does that Um, mean to feel like you belong? Like if I'm sitting in a classroom, why wouldn't I feel like I belong? uh, Well, he did a good job of just making sure that we all had a voice. He would, Mm -hmm. um, ask questions, getting to know me, um, making me feel heard, making me mm-hmm. feel like um, I had something to offer to the class. And that's something that I try to bring into my classroom as well. You just be seen. Like, to I see seen. Houston. What do you think about that? Yep. Right. Sure did. Okay. So that's, and what about building community um, within or camaraderie rather among teachers? How does that, how is that accomplished? Uh, well, obviously, throughout the 20 years, I've gotten to know a lot of amazing educators. I know we have a common friend, uh, Julia. Um, who's a teacher at Harding. Who's a teacher at Harding as mm-hmm. well. But no, just um, especially with over the last few years, we've dealt with a lot. And I think it's actually brought us uh, closer together, uh, the staff at Harding. Uh, but no, like we, Harding is such an amazing community. We have a great, amazing staff, a thoughtful staff, and our 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 our, our staff definitely aims to build community with our students. But we also try to build community with ourselves by having like payday happy hours together and and a lot of other social events that we can. And talking with with each other and and, and letting each other know that you can that you share some of the same same challenges. Yeah. And same passions, but yeah, how do we and, do it together? Yeah, and in our building, we have uh, PLCs, our professional learning community. So we collaborate with each other uh, quite a bit and making sure that um, we are doing the same work as far as our content, but we are actually talking about students and, and working together to try to make uh, their experiences in the classroom great. It seems like uh, you have a lot of support from your students. I, I hear this, that, that everyone loves Mr. Houston. Uh how does that make you feel? It's, it's it's humbling because I I I don't do it for the recognition. I do it because I want again I want all students to feel like they're heard, they're seen, they're loved, they belong in my classroom. Um, because that's something that I wanted and needed as a student myself in school. So uh, my goal is not to do it for the recognition. My goal is just to make students feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. And then that is through initiating conversation even if it's someone who's not in one of your math classes oh definitely so um yeah i try to make sure i connect with every student uh even those quiet students that you know you don't hear from i try to make sure that you know i I check in with them see how they're doing kids in the hallway i'd say hello to them and yeah again just making sure that they feel like they're loved and make sure that they're getting the attention and stuff that they deserve 
We're talking to the 2023 Minnesota Teacher of the Year, Michael Houston, a math teacher at Harding High School in St. Paul. And our phone lines are open. You can talk to him, too. If you've had Mr. Houston as a teacher over the years, what do you remember about him? Uh, Maybe you've worked with him. Did you or your child have a teacher who made a real difference in your life? What did they do to to make you feel special? And if you're a teacher in Minnesota, what are you doing to connect with your students? You can give us a call at 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-36000. Or you can call us at 800-242-2828. Uh, Michael, let's take a phone call. In Fridley, we've got Howard on the line. Good morning, Howard. What do you want to tell us uh, as we talk to the teacher of the year? Howard, Good morning. Hi, go right ahead. I want to remember Miss Mock, my third grade teacher at Edgewood Elementary in Brooklyn Park. When I was four years old, I had an injury and had to learn how to walk again. So my mom put me in ballet, tap, and jazz. I was the only boy at the Virginia Luma Dance Studio. Mm. And when I was in third grade, Miss Mock came to my dance recital. <laughs> and I still have the flower in my scrapbook. That's incredible. And so, how? Why is that so important to you? You seem really, really touched by that action that she came to your recital. That she would take the time out of her personal time mm-hmm. to follow up one of her students. So you could feel the and love. She taught us credence. Yeah, mm-hmm. she taught us credence Clearwater revival songs as part of the curriculum. So every time I hear a CCR song, I think of Miss Mock. That is such a sweet story. Thank you, Howard. Howard, May I ask, how old are you now? 52. 52. All right. Well, Miss Mott, we remember and appreciate you, his third grade teacher. Listen, what do you think of that story, Michael? That's incredible. I mean, teachers, we we can just have such an impact like that. It's hard to believe that we can have an impact that just follows the kid for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what Miss Mott was thinking, but she was like, "Well, you know, I got some. Let me go. Let me go check this out." And to her, it may have been a very simple thing, not a huge sacrifice, but it was. But for that huge, student, it just means a lot. Huge it means a lot. It's life changing, obviously. Right. Uh, what have you been doing since being named Teacher of the Year? Uh, I know that the responsibilities include speaking at events and some travel. Uh, what have you been doing since May? Uh, the first couple of weeks, uh, kind of going on the interview circuit, um, interview with Kara Levin, WCCO. I think I did an interview here with Kathy. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the Mary Hansen show. But um, is that weird to talk about yourself? It is because, again, <laughs> I don't do it to uh, to uh, promote myself. I do it because I love the students and I love the community that I'm in. Um, but the last month or so has been pretty, pretty chill. Um, we, uh, we had actual Minnesota teacher of the year reunion at St. Paul Saints game. Um, late so you July. met some of the other, te- many of them I've interviewed. And what was that? They're, they're a chatty group. They are, they are, <laughs> they are. Um, but I connected with them as well. Um, I was able to go to a Minnesota Vikings game, uh, this past Saturday. Uh, but now things are starting to pick up again. And, um, I think, uh, a lot of it will be having me talk to future educators, um, I'll be talking to the legislator, legislature about things that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the national cohort will start uh, beginning of next year. Meaning you'll meet the other teachers of the year from all the other states. Yeah, the other wow. state teachers of the year. So this is a, a, a huge opportunity to have more people listen to what you have to say about education. Yes, right. it is. All right. So let's talk about that. First, let's start with 
math, teaching math. Uh, I've done a whole talk show about math anxiety. Um, what have you seen as you work with students um, and try to boost their confidence uh, about their mathematical abilities? Yeah, it's it's with math mathematically. Students either love it or they really hate it. I don't think I've actually had a lot of students that I felt know. indifferent about it. Right. So um, I work with kids that loved it in, in the events classes, and I work with a lot of kids that really don't uh, like it in my regular class. And those kids I try to reach because math can have much more potential than just the abstract. We can actually apply it to things that they can use outside of the classroom. And so you enjoy teaching math because it's a personal challenge or you like seeing that growth in, in students? I love seeing that growth. Um, since COVID, um, I did a lot of reflecting with my with my uh, craft because I knew that our students will have a lot of gaps coming back uh, mm-hmm. into school. And so I wanted to figure out ways that students can close those gaps, but also use what I'm teaching uh, once they leave the classroom. And so I incorporate a lot of personal finance into my curriculum um, and the students really appreciated it. So those kids that uh, really don't think abstractly or don't like the procedural stuff, the drill and kill, uh, I'm actually giving context to the problem so they can actually relate to it and they actually can feel like they're a part of it and apply so, it. example, personal finance, uh, stuff like banking maybe or how to uh, save money, do taxes. What are you talking about with when you – Well, coming into the school year, the last couple of years, I started with taxes. Like I'm just gonna start off with Ew. the bang. I'm gonna start off with taxes, <laughs> um, and so like that initially pulls them in because I always got the question before COVID. You know, when are we gonna use this in real life? And and it always bothered me because it's like, well, I love math because of the, the challenge. It's like a puzzle to me. Mm-hmm. But a lot of our kids don't see it that way. They see it as you know, as, as being cumbersome and and, and as a, in a punishment. So I wanted to give them something that they can actually relate to relate with and actually use once they leave. So yeah, I start with taxes and um, come to find out they just really don't know much about taxes. They don't know when taxes are due, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't know what a dependent is. Um, they don't know what tax forms uh, to fill out. So I start with taxes and um, it's not a lot of complex math, but it's a lot important of necessary math. Ma- important math that they're going to see as long as they're working um and it makes me think about uh, what I'm going to need outside of the classroom, and it makes me think about adulthood. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling already. I'm sitting up a little straight. I'm like, okay, yeah, and, right? and they, yeah, and they probably won't remember the intricate details of taxes, but they are exposed to it, and they know certain right. things about it. So when I also you're sending the message when I go to Mr. Houston's class, I'm going to get something. I want to pay attention because I'm going to get something out of this time. You're going to get something. Yep. So we start with taxes and then the next unit we uh, cover is sequences and series. And I incorporate that with the retirement theme. So we go from mm. taxes and we go into retirement and I'll talk to them about pensions, uh, uh, 401k, 403b, social security, Mm-hmm. Um, retirement. And, and so then you're also connecting the dots and you're making them think about life after high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, my kids are 16, 17, 18 year old, 18 years old. So they will need to start thinking about that stuff. Right. Uh, and you've also taught math on the college level. In fact, I think right now you're an adjunct professor at Concordia uh, teaching math class to prospective teachers. Ooh, what is that like? It's actually a math class to prospective elementary teachers. Okay. The ones <laughs> so, dealing with the little wiggly kids. Okay. So the ones that are dealing with okay. the little wiggly kids. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean, that's where the students get their, you know, love or hate for math is at that elementary level. So I try to 
incorporate or teach those uh, prospective teachers that, uh, you know, you may not uh, like math, but you need to, you know, show students that, you know, math is important because that foundation is going to have an impact in their later years. And do you think that same logic could be applied to other classes that, you know, we take in high school, like English and social studies courses, trying to connect it to real life, uh, daily life skills that they can use um, outside of school? I believe so. Um, School is a lot different than it was when I was in school, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, over 30 years ago. So, no, our kids are dealing with a lot of different issues, a lot of different other things that they're passionate about. So I think it's important that those kids um, are exposed to that in their in their subject matter so that, you know, it helps keep them engaged and, you know, loving school. And that's ultimately what we want. And what do you think about what we're seeing now with some of the challenges to what is taught in school and what shouldn't be, particularly when we look at history and social studies classes and and, you know, understanding where we came from so that we know where we are today and how to interact with other people. Yeah, I know uh, specifically here in Minnesota, uh, we have a large Native American uh, impact, large Native Mm -hmm. American history. And that was something that I know that is something that uh, wasn't consistently taught in our history classes. But I think the um, I think there was uh, a legislation that was passed that's more of that will be more that will be included in the Mm -hmm. curriculum so i think it's important to include all history because that is our history right i mean it's important to share our history whether it's you know just here in minnesota or national history uh because for me i mean that's me that's my history that's my story and so i think it goes back to students feeling seen exactly and understood uh we're talking to minnesota's teacher of the year michael houston who is there a math teacher at harding high school in st paul um if you've had mr houston as a teacher or a colleague over the years what do you remember about him or is there someone else that really stands out in your memory as a teacher who made a difference Tell us about them. What did they do to make a positive impact on your life? Give us a call at 651-227-6000 or at 800-242-2828. And if you're a teacher in Minnesota, what are your secrets? What are you doing to try to connect with your students? Uh, Michael, let's take a phone call from Apple Valley. This is Percy on the phone. Good morning, Percy. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm great. Talking about teachers, I love talking about school. So what did you want to tell us, Percy? Well, I'm 62 years old uh, this uh, this year. I'll be 62 years old. And every once in a while, my junior high teacher will come to my mind. Her name was Mrs. Moody, uh, Mrs. Galavanji. She later got married. And uh, the way she taught her class always has stuck with me. One of the first things she mentioned as we uh, uh, were getting new to her classes, she said, what I'm trying to do is create scholars in this class. And that was a very interesting point because no teacher had actually, uh, how to say, uh, presented you, that. Just that word least, referring to you as a scholar meant a lot to you. Yeah, or wanting to create one, at least anyway. <laughs> and about, you know, things about after, you know, uh, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to go on to graduate school, you know, things like that. In college, you know, undergraduated, too, as well. And uh, she comes to my mind uh, ever so often. Uh, she was an older lady at that time, you know, so, you know, I'm sure she retired not long after I, I left junior high. But uh, but uh, she was one of the most, uh, I think, influential teachers I think I've had. And what did you go on to do uh, as a profession, Percy? 
Well, I was in the foreign service. I uh, uh, was in foreign service for about five years. But uh, after uh, uh, college, I joined the Peace Corps and found a love for international development work. And I ended up working for a couple of NGOs overseas in Africa. And uh, I uh, eventually, uh, like I say, ended up in the foreign service mm-hmm. with the Central Asia and uh, uh, yeah, that was my primary. So now in your 60s, you still recall your memories of your junior high teacher, Mrs. Moody, who went yeah. on and got married and became Mrs. Galabanchi. Yeah. All yeah. right. Thank you, Percy. So, Michael, does that tell you people are going to remember? They'll be talking about you in their 60s. I mean, this is incredible. <laughs> so we had a caller 52 and now 62. Oh, no, isn't it sweet? To just talk mm-hmm. about the teachers that impact them. I mean, it just shows you how important that our careers are as educators. The field, the teaching mm-hmm. profession, very, uh, very important. Let's take a, another phone call from a listener as we talk to Minnesota's teaching uh, teacher of the year about the profession and his personal story. Talking with Michael Houston at Harding High School, who's a math teacher uh, in Woodbury. Sam is on the phone. Hi, Sam. What do you want to tell us? Hi, everybody. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to tell you about a teacher I had in middle school named Dan Nasland. This was up in Cloquet, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And Dan Nasland made a very large impact on a number of us in the classroom where he took a creative approach towards English, uh, understanding that a lot of the education system at that time was more oriented towards analysis of literature. He took it to a creative standpoint and started off by having riddle competitions with our uh, classroom. And so we would write riddles and bring them in. He would try to solve them and then give new ones back to us to send home. And he inspired us to broaden our literature to become more creative in that writing process. So we started reading fantasy, sci-fi. It inspired a number of kids in the classroom to go beyond the books that were taught in school. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, inspired a lifelong love of reading, but also contributed to my creative writing as an adult in my business career. Wow. Wow, that is wonderful. So, and, and how old are you now, Sam? I am thirty-four. Thirty-four, and this was a middle school teacher. I haven't heard the. I haven't talked about riddles in, in a long. <laughs> I forgot about riddles. But isn't that something? How clever a teacher can start with something that then just you know creates you know uh, an it's, interest it's, and then you know mm-hmm. grows into something more. What do you hear Spider there? Webs. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, just the little things. I mean, just the little things. I have students that come back all the time and tell me, you know, the things that, that impacted them. I remember one instance in um, coaching where I had um, I had an athlete who went to a homecoming dance and was kind of dancing all nasty. And I got to report back and or dancing inappropriately with. Uh, no, you said it nasty. Students. I know that gave me an image. <laughs> nasty dancing at and the so, high school. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, OK, you know, as young men got to represent ourselves well. And so I remember making him do bear crawls. Um, <gasps> Which, which is tough. And, and so, I mean, he was he was Ooh. upset, but I'm like, hey, we got to carry ourselves. Uh, you know, we have a different standard. And so he and now he's actually a realtor. He actually coaches for the high school football See? team now. Mm-hmm. And I ran into him the other day. He was like, yeah, I remember that time you made me do bear crawls. I'm like, well, you actually <laughs> deserved it. So tell me about this. When do you find you, you were a football coach from what, what, 18 years? Yes. That's a long time. And so what did you learn from that? Because now you're interacting in, with students in a different way, seeing them in a different environment. What did you get out of that? Well, with coaching, I mean, you know, the students want to be there. Obviously, in math classroom, the students aren't <laughs> choosing to be there. So that's a major difference. But ultimately, I mean, coaches are essentially teachers, too, right? I yes. mean, you want to 
help you want to create the skills necessary for them to perform during mm-hmm. the games and mm-hmm. with teaching you're just creating the also the same you know the skills that are necessary for them to perform on an exam or mm-hmm. an assessment so um it it's 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 all the same but it's just you know obviously we're in a different hat literally what did as a football coach what were you trying to you know do with your athletes besides helping them win games it sounds like you're trying to work with them about being young men, respectable yeah, young men. Yeah, helping them to uh, develop into respectable young men that um, you can use football as a platform to go where you want to go because those, you know, skills that you learn through football, you know, overcoming adversity and, you know, just working on, you know, technique and skills that's going to help you be better and, and something work. that you want to do yeah. in teamwork and camaraderie mm-hmm. and community like we talk about. Um, that's going to help you going into whatever field that you pursue when, once you're done with playing the sport. All right, let's take another phone call as we talk with Michael Houston, Minnesota's Teacher of the Year, a math teacher, a chair of the math department at Harding High School in St. Paul. Uh, in St. Paul, we have a phone call from Eric. Eric's on the phone. Hi, Eric. What do you want to tell us? Morning. Hey, Mike. This is your neighbor, Eric Brandt from Paul <laughs> at Harding High School. Hey, oh, a fellow teacher at hey. Harding. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what's, what's the and, deal, uh, Eric? And, what, my wife. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What do you see inside the school? What, tell us what do you see in Michael? Uh, well, that's all right. Can I talk about Mike first? Yes. Oh, Mike. Okay. So you've heard yeah. to him as Mike. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's what I was asking um, so, you. What do you see in him? What What do you see working with him? Yeah. What, what do you view? Oh, you know, is it's been a delight to work with Mike for, gosh, what is it, 15, 18 years? Um, he's so kind. He's smart. He's thoughtful. He, uh, I've really appreciated Mike taking on more and more leadership roles within our school and perhaps beyond now. Um, my wife and I are both teachers at Harding, and we're so proud of you, Mike, um, that you get to represent Minnesota educators for this year, and, you, and you're doing amazing, amazing. And uh, we're excited about working with you again this year. That's great. Thanks, Thank EB. you. I appreciate it. Right. Yeah. So your fellow teachers call you Mike, and your students call you Mr. Houston. Mr. Houston or right? Houston. Or Houston. Or Houston. We have a problem right. along those lines. Yeah. Right. And so we've talked uh, on the show uh, quite a bit about uh, teacher burnout. And so I'm curious, how do you address uh, days, weeks, months where you're like, whoo, I don't know if I can can do this today? Well, all the good things that make teaching great um, are also the things that, you know, can make teaching, you know, frustrating as well. I mean, I enjoy wearing a lot of different hats. I enjoy being a coach, an advisor, a mentor, a therapist. I mean, just those different roles can have a big impact on students' lives. Um, but also they can be exhausting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just leaning on uh, my colleagues, to be honest with you, just, you know, letting them know inventing when I need to and, and knowing that, you know, they understand because they're also going through the same situation as well um, has helped with the burnout because there's times that I've, you know, at, you know, ask myself if this is the right profession, because, again, it can, just can be exhausting getting, you know, disrespect from politicians, getting disrespect from our own district, getting disrespect from parents. I mean, um, obviously, you can imagine that can wear on you. But I mean, just having the colleagues that the amazing colleagues like Eric um, that you can lean on has, you know, helped make me, you know, overcome a lot of the, those those no. Huge Bad challenges. Thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Those challenges. Michael, lots of people are calling in. Let's take some more phone calls. Sure, uh, let's do it. This one, my note says, is someone calling in from Iraq. This is Layla. Good morning, Layla. <laughs> oh, What's the story? Hi. Hi, Mr. Houston. Hi, Layla. 
Are you a former student, um, Layla? Well, I'm just one. Yes, I am. I actually had Mr. Houston my sophomore and junior year, and then I TA'd for him um, my senior year of high school. And I also was uh, in track when he was a track coach as well. Okay, so you're in Iraq. Are you in the military? I am. I'm on deployment right now, yes. Okay. Well, thank you for calling. What what do you want people to know about Mr. Houston and, and uh, his impact on you when you were in high school? Um, I want to say, besides the fact of, like, how much he impacted me in high school, like, outside of being, like, a fabulous teacher, he was, like, the best father figure I've ever had in my life. Like, I lacked having a father, and he stepped up, like, just so naturally, and I just, I don't know, I can't, there's no words to ever, like, express how much I love and care about him. He's, he's phenomenal. He's great. Like, he's an amazing human being outside of being a teacher, and I'm just so glad that he's finally, like, being recognized for something that he's been so great at for so many years. Like, it took, it took long enough, but he should have got this, like, a long time ago, but I'm just... It's so it's so good to see that he's finally getting the, his flowers, and I'm just I'm so proud of him, and I love him so much. I'm, I'm so I'm so happy. All right, I'm going to give Michael a moment, Layla. I'm going to ask you another question. <laughs> so, when you say he was a father figure, what did that involve? Is it just taking the time to to pull you aside and talk with you, a safe person to talk to about some heavy things, or what does that mean? It was like. It was outside of the classroom, like, whenever I was having a bad day and I needed somebody to lean on, he was there. When I needed advice, he was there. When I wasn't doing something right, he was there making sure I took accountability. You know, he was just, he was always a pick-me-up when I was down. He was, he was stern, but he was also very soft and very caring. It was like a big teddy bear. He was always there. Mm. But All right. Thank you. Layla, thank you. And uh, take care of yourself. Thank you for taking the time to call us. Uh, We appreciate it. Um, Thank you, Layla. Thank you. I uh, I just met you this morning, but uh, you know I think upon sight because you you know, are a former football player <laughs> to me like you're you're a big guy. I think to a lot of people you could a- appear to be somewhat intimidating, but I think she nailed it. Like once you talk to you, you see the a, a kindness and a love in your and the way you move and the way you talk. It's in your eyes. Uh, what is it like to hear from Layla? She sounds happy and strong. <laughs> she Layla is incredible. Um, yeah, she's like a, a daughter. Um, I had her uh, in class, and she was a TA for a couple of years. And uh, no, she texts me every birthday. She texts me on Father's Day. Um, she sends out love Christmas and New Year. I mean, we, we stay in contact and we, you know, connect as much as we can when she's in town. And uh, no, she has uh, always been supportive. And I tremendously appreciate Layla. She's fantastic. When you walk the halls of a school, a high school in particular, you, 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 you can, not only do you see the students, you can feel the energy coming off of them, right? You can see things in facial expressions and, and body language. I can, definitely, yes. Right. And so what do you see frequently now? Um, coming back from... Uh, I'm sure it's, it's a lot of different things. It's, it's a lot, it is a lot of different things. Um, I know that some of our students struggled uh, during distance learning. And so coming back, I mean, you can just tell that they were happy to be back, uh, maybe not happy to 
go you know to classes and, and do work but they were just happy to be around each other mm-hmm. um, and so that socialization that socialization so important. is so important that obviously um but no um as a teacher you got to be able to recognize those 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 things you got to be able to recognize when the student is down you got to be able to recognize when the student is you know happy you got to be able to uh, recognize all those different emotions that that students are are are, are exuding um and let them and, know someone sees it. And, and, yeah, and let them know someone sees it. So we have a student, you know, that's, you know, involved in sports and, you know, you can tell like they're excited. They want to share the news. I'll, you know, ask them how the game went and they'll say, you know, they did well and the team won. Or when, you know, a student um, is coming in and they just seem like they're withdrawn. Again, I try to make sure that I'm there and, and, and giving them an ear so that they can let me know what's going on so I can be there for them that way as well. You've said in a number of interviews that you would like to use uh, this platform of Teacher of the Year to advocate for mental health in the classroom. Um, and so what in particular would you like to see done differently or just more of that would address the mental health of students and teachers? Just more mental health prof- uh, professionals in our building. I have a student um, mm-hmm. currently who I had over the past two years. Um, she came to me, I want to say in April, and she poured her heart out that, you know, she's been seeing a therapist because uh, she's been going through depression. Mm-hmm. Her mother told her that she can't go as often anymore because they couldn't afford it. Yeah, and so a session could be two hundred dollars. And so right? I connected her with our social worker who was already booked. So we have about uh, eighteen hundred students in our building. We have four social workers, one for every grade level. And so you can imagine that's about four uh, fifty per per mm-hmm. social worker. So mm-hmm. I tried to connect her, but there was you know. She, it was hard to get her in because of other students who needed that uh, social worker as well. So I, it, it's important that we have more social, uh, more mental health professionals in our building for in students the building. That, that are seeking out mm-hmm. um, the mental health support. Because removing the barrier of transportation and time, but in on site in the building. Onsite, yeah. All right. Um, I know it's difficult to talk about this, but a lot of people have heard of Harding High School because of of it being in the news. Uh, Earlier this year, 15-year-old Devin Scott was fatally stabbed by another student inside Harding High School. And I'm I'm wondering, how have uh, the students, the teachers, administrators um, dealt with that event? And and where are you all in in, in recovering from from such a devastating event? We're all still recovering. It's uh, day by day. Um, it It was a tragic event that is going to impact all of our students and, and the entire staff and Harding community forever. Um, but it's, 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 it's something that again, that we've leaned on each other to try to cope with and, and, and overcome, especially for our students. We have to be strong. We have to be there for them because that's a trauma that they're going to take with them for the rest of their lives as well. Mm. You've chosen to stay at the same school for you're going into your 20th year. Yes, I am. Um, what do you want people to know about Harding High School? Uh, they're on the east side of St. Paul. That may be different from their perception of the school and the community. Yeah, although you know we've received a lot of negative press, uh, Harding is a really a kind, thoughtful, and caring community. Um, we have a lot of positives going on in our building. We have students going to Ivy League schools. We have students um, like Layla going into the military. We have students going into trades. We offer a lot of clubs for students to uh, – offer a space for them to be themselves, be their authentic selves and explore passions that, you know, they, they want to be involved with. Um, we have uh, students involved with sports and we have 
again, caring educators that just want the best for our students. Let's take another phone call from a listener as we talk with Minnesota's Teacher of the Year, Michael Houston, there at Harding High School in St. Paul. In Minneapolis, we have a phone call from Nanette. Good morning, Nanette. Hi, how are you this morning? Great. I'm getting to know uh, Mr. Houston. Do you know Mr. Houston? I certainly do know Mr. Houston. (laughs) I taught with him for years at Harding. I've been retired five years now, but hopefully he's got a long memory and can remember me. We miss you, Ms. Strobel. (laughs) He was just so popular. Everybody loved him. The kids loved him. The staff loved him. He was so easy to work with, and he had a great dry sense of humor. And I had never heard Houston, we've got a problem, but I love that. That's so funny. Oh, Houston. um, (laughs) Is that what people say to him? Houston, we've got a problem? Yeah. That is funny. Okay. Yeah, but Angela, you had interviewed me a few years ago um, when I was at Harding, and you were doing some study on the toll it takes uh, to do a lot of multitasking with teachers, and mm-hmm. you know whether they get dementia or Alzheimer's, whether that affects them. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if you remember that, but I anyway, I do remember a study about that. Uh, <laughs> so how are you doing so, in retirement, and, and and what do you want to see Michael do as Teacher of the Year? What can, how can he uh, spread the the word about what's needed right now? I. I think he's doing um, every, and the whole, the whole aspect of the support within the school and the Harding staff is fantastic. Um, I taught in three other places, and Harding, I was there for 23 years. It's just a fantastic system. Those PLCs that Michael was talking about are great because it really increases the camaraderie between the teachers, and you need that support because it's a difficult job. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, there's been some bad press, um, and it is just it's uh, imperative to have that support, and you need that support from the administration too. Got to keep moving um, forward. All right, well, Nana, yeah. thank you so much for calling in, uh, Houston. We've got a problem. That's I'm still. I think that's funny. <laughs> I don't. Do people so. <laughs> come to you? But they, you're the person they go to because you're also a union steward, right? I am. So, I am. Yeah, it's my. So you know year. everything is going on. I do. I'm in the loop. <laughs> You're in the loop. Uh, you've also said that one of the things that you want to focus on while you have uh, this this title, you're traveling the state and meeting with other teachers, uh, speaking to state legislators about what's needed right now. Uh, you're very uh, passionate and concerned about uh, recruiting and retaining more teachers of color in Minnesota. I've done talk shows on this. It comes up a lot. And I just want to mm-hmm. throw some numbers at you. Um, the Star Tribune did a great analysis back in 2022 and discovered that only about 5% of full-time and part-time teachers in Minnesota uh, are teachers of color, 5% wow. uh, statewide. And then when you look at the student population, uh, as the demographics of our state are changing, about 34% of K-12 through students in the state are non-white. So mm-hmm. uh, a little over a third of students uh, are, are kids of color, but 5% of the teachers. So this means that many kids uh, will go through their whole K-12 through education and never have a teacher of color. So tell me about that. I mean, you're a, a black male teacher. Uh, very few of those in the state. 2%. 2%. Nationally. Wow. Nationally. So, yeah. Uh, what what can we do to in- increase those numbers? And why is it even important? I think it's important because, um, like I said before, like growing up, I just saw black athletes or black entertainers or performers. I didn't see a lot of black CEOs, a lot of black educators, a lot of black, you know, officers. So I think it's important that our kids see 
leadership, leadership, or 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 just people that look like them in leadership roles, um, who they have access, be, who they have access to, right. um, because research shows that those kids that have a, a teacher of color, their academics increase by thirty percent, and their social emotional uh, needs increase as well. So you'll continue to talk about that. I and, will. And try to, I guess, encourage folks to maybe choose education as a career. Oh, it's the best career. All right. Uh, I'm going to take one more phone call in St. Cloud. Grace is on the phone. Good morning, Grace. What did you want to ask or share? Good morning. Um, I. It's so funny. I actually wanted to share about my only black teacher that I've ever had. Um, my first grade teacher, her name was Miss Myers. Um, and she really, um, as a young black girl um, that I was, she really took me under her wing, um, encouraged me to, you know, write creatively at a really young age. Um, and so I just wanted to know um, if you had any black teachers in your life, Michael, that maybe you didn't have them when you were young, but you've, you've met them or just like other black educators that you wanted to uplift. All right. Thank you, Grace. Uh, thank you, Grace. Uh, yeah, it was my high school uh, teacher and track coach, Mr. Simpson in uh, Ohio. He was the one that I referred to that um, really gave me a voice, uh, really made me feel, feel seen and, and, and heard in his classroom and built that community um, as well. And he was also my track coach. So that was, you know, nice to just have someone that you know, I could see in a different light as well. So, no, he he Mr. Simpson. um I don't know if he's listening. I know he comes up here and does fishing uh, once in a while. But no, uh, Mr. Simpson, thank you for everything you've done for me because you definitely had an impact on me. In the last minute, Michael, uh, any advice for parents uh, as a new school year gets ready to start? Because uh, I know we can be a handful. Oh. Some of us. <laughs> uh, no, just make sure that uh, your kids all the uh, are, are just ready. Make sure they're getting sleep. Uh, mm -hmm. Make sure that. Uh, again, that they know that teachers uh, teaching is a, is a difficult profession, and and that we ultimately want what's best for them. We want them to uh, to grow, to grow emotionally, academically, athletically, whatever. Um, we just want what's best for the child. We've been talking with the 2023 Minnesota Teacher of the Year, Michael Houston of Harton High School there in St. Paul. Mr. Houston, uh, he chairs the math department at Harding High and is also a former football coach. Uh, congratulations, uh, Michael. It's been great getting to know you better. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been Have fun. a great school year. This conversation was produced by Matt Alvarez. Be safe, everybody. We'll talk again tomorrow morning at 9. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.